Hello and welcome to the World of Sport podcast hosted by Daniel Middlebrook and today I am so pumped to be bringing you a Super Max Super Bowl episode. It's going to be so fun. Uh, it's, I'm in the UK in case you couldn't tell by my voice and I stayed up until like half three to watch the Super Bowl on Sunday night. It was absolutely fantastic, a really good game. Wasn't quite as close as everybody thought it would be. Uh, the, for those that don't know, the Buccaneers won that game 31 uh, to 9. It was a really, really good game. Like, excellent. They played so well, did the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady won his seventh ring. Best quarterback of all time, cemented. It, it already was two rings ago, being realistic. But he cemented that. And in this episode, I'm going to be breaking down the game. How the Bucks did the impossible. Why Patrick Mahomes is just the best quarterback I've ever seen play football. How Brady is a better winner, but perhaps Mahomes is more talented. How Belichick is not done yet, and he could well win another ring. And why next well, head coach here, firing seat, and Todd Bowles should get a head coaching job after his essentially Super Bowl MVP performance in the Super Bowl. He was outstanding. But to kick things off with a breakdown... And to put this short and sharp, the Bucks just play better. I mean, naturally you want a breakdown. Why else would you be here? But the Bucks dominated special teams in which the Chiefs had an absolute howler. Their punter had one of the worst kicking games I've ever seen. Offensively, they were excellent. Defensively, and most importantly, mentally. Gronk, Brady and Antonio Brown connected for three passing touchdowns before Leonard Fournette ran in for his rushing touchdown. There were the four touchdowns, only four touchdowns of the game. The Chiefs didn't even have one. The most explosive, most explosive O I've seen in a long time, and they couldn't even score a touchdown, which showed how uh, weak that team was. And later on, I'll break down specifically how the Bucks managed to win this defensively. And here I'll mainly focus on what went wrong for the Chiefs. And in short, again, in short, that was everything. Literally everything that could go wrong will go wrong. Like I said, their punter had the worst kicking game I've ever seen. Receivers just couldn't get open. The O-line was just physically, mentally, tactically bullied. Defensive pressures were few and far between for the Chiefs. With the exception of Chris Jones and the inside, he was really, really good. Didn't record a sack, I don't think, but he was quite good. However, the thing that killed the Chiefs, and this, they had them done in the first half, 100%. They were completely undisciplined. Uh, the Buccaneers played so cleanly, so got a few calls. The Chiefs, on the other hand, were called for anything and everything. I mean, I'll be honest, the officiating was a bit unfair at times. Like, on a kick, they were literally just a couple inches into the neutral zone. where It genuinely doesn't matter. They didn't block it. It doesn't matter. They got called for a neutral zone infraction, which I really didn't like. But at the end of the day, 11 penalties for 120 yards, but I think 95 of those yards coming in the first half, that's unacceptable. You know, the Bucks came ready and the Chiefs didn't. And it's that simple. I mean, a lot of people have been criticising the officiating, which they do deserve. They definitely need a bit of criticism because they called anything and everything on the Chiefs, which was really, really unfair. Definitely bailed the Bucks out of a good few tough situations, but... At the end of the day, if there's a penalty to be called, you call it. That's how football works. That's how it should work. And it's a bit ridiculous to me uh, that people seem to think it was all on them. The first half was a bit unfair. For example, their pass interference, which was a massive, massive play, was just ridiculous. He barely tapped him. It was a bit of a 
dive by I think Mike Evans or, or Chris Goldman. I can't remember which. Yeah, it, it was a little bit unfair at times. But at the end of the day, a penalty is a penalty. You've got to call a penalty. Uh, and I jokingly sent my friend a message saying that Tom Brady paid off the refs because it did seem like that in the first half at points. But moving on to how the Bucks managed to do the impossible. I mean, firstly... I want to <laughs> apologise for what I've been saying about Tom Brady during the regular season. I, I, I changed my tune over the playoffs, to be fair. Uh, the Bucks managed the impossible by signing the greatest quarterback of all time. I mean, like I just said, I gave a hell of a lot of criticism over the regular season, which was 100% due because he was quite bad during the regular season, definitely off as a team. They didn't quite look like themselves. I mean... The thing with Brady is he's like Chris Froome at GC race. He might not win the race always convincingly, but he always gets the job done. You know, hiring Bruce Arians with Byron Leftwich and Todd Bowles as coordinators and getting an array of weapons, as well as strengthening the defence with Sean uh, Sean Murphy Bunting, Jamal Dean, Antoine Whitfield, JPP, Jason Pierre-Paul. I think he's undefeated in his playoffs career, by the way. Uh, Shaq Barrett. And Vita Veyer. You know, this team was unstoppable during the playoffs. They weren't particularly convincing over the regular season. So good over the playoffs. And to be honest, I think the players were what they needed. All they needed was time to become a stronger football team. And that's one thing I didn't appreciate during the regular season. I just thought, well, Brady's having an off year. But after him and Byron Leftwich uh, connected over the playoffs, they seemed to be much better. They, they had more checkdowns in their playbook. They're a bit more, not inconsistent as such, but they're a bit more unpredictable. You know, they had their deep throws to be able to connect on those because during the regular season, Tom Brady could not throw deep for a while, a very large segment segment of the season. But he definitely picked up in that category. And they look really, really good, especially on the weapon side. Gronk, one of the best tight ends, if not the best tight end, definitely the best tight end athlete of all time from the Patriots. They brought their A game. What a team. And so, moving on to Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he was my Super Bowl MVP because of how much of a fight he put up. It was painful to watch. It genuinely hurt because they didn't have Eric Fisher or Mitchell Schwartz, so their O-line was weak on the Chiefs' side. Now, Patrick Mahomes, the $500 million man, is he's honestly exceptional. Exceptional like I've never seen before. You know, like I just said, without tackle Eric Fisher, the O-line for the Chiefs was beyond weak. And with the outstanding D-line of Tampa Bay, reigning supreme. The box score won't show it, but he made throws that no one else can, has, or ever will make again. He's injured with a turf toe, running around in the pocket, extending plays, making some of the best throws. I mean, he's in the air, six inches off the ground, making a throw... To his receivers who just can't catch. He, the, the, the receivers didn't come to play for him. Tyreek Hill wasn't himself. Travis Neville was Travis Kelsey. Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback of all time. I mean, like I said in my first ever podcast episode, I'm still not sold on the contract yet because if he gets another injury, like another serious, serious injury, they've wasted their money. But if he keeps up what his talent is now, then honestly and genuinely, he could be the best quarterback I've ever, ever seen. I mean, 
in terms of intelligence, he's probably the second or third most intelligent quarterback in the entire league, and by far the most talented. I mean, a place like Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen are very, very good in specific things like arm power and scrambling, for example, of Lamar. But Patrick Mahomes is the whole package, maybe with the exception of scrambling, but his scrambling is underrated. He'll extend plays. You know, he's not your Lamar, your Kyler Murray, perhaps your Cam Newton, but he's good enough to just run out of the pocket, get a first down. He's intelligent. He doesn't throw many picks anymore, and I do certainly feel for him. He does things nobody else can, like I said, has or ever will do again. The most special quarterback of all time, and definitely the play calling and the weapons certainly helped him, like I didn't appreciate during the summer. But you watch the man play, and he is so incredible. Oftentimes, it doesn't show up on the box score, but in terms of how he plays and how he throws... He was absolutely fantastic. And so, moving on to how Brady's a better winner. You know, he may not be as good, maybe be as talented. He may not do the exact amount to win and nothing less. Uh, he, he can be unconvincing, but as long as you do it. But Mahomes is perhaps more talented. Like I just said, Mahomes is far more talented than Brady. I don't think anybody in football will dispute that. But he's not the winner Brady is yet. And emphasis on yet. Brady has seen more football than any other player. He's practically he's practically a head coach with a top 10 arm in the NFL. He leads his teammates like no other. And although sometimes, you know, it's not convincing, like during the regular season to go 11-5 and five to win the Super Bowl, that's, especially with their team, that was a bit unprecedented. But... Seven Super Bowl wins is something we'll never see again. And to be honest, I pray this guy plays forever. I love Tom Brady now. I never used to as a kid because he would always win. But as a kid, you don't appreciate how much of a goat this guy is. You don't appreciate what he does to win. Like, it may, the box score might not show it sometimes. And sometimes he might throw some picks. Sometimes he'll be a bit out of timing. But I think the majority of his bad throws and bad picks in the regular season with just miscommunication where he didn't quite know the scheme, didn't quite know the team, and uh, sometimes would miss throw to his receivers because of that. Whereas with when he gave him time to get to the playoffs, to get through the playoffs, is by far the best team. They were offensively and defensively so, so convincing. You get to do it. And plus, his offensive line bailed him out. Well, not bailed him out as such, but really, really helped him a lot. Because guys like Tristan Wirfs at tackle, Ali Marpet at guard, Ryan Jensen, they were such a fantastic O-line, did bits for him. And running might not have been their strong point. I think they ranked like 28th offensively uh, rushing, or at least their O-line did. Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette have serious, serious running power. And, well, they definitely help quite a bit. I mean, Mahomes can make better throws in general, like circling back to Mahomes versus Brady, but in crunch time, to elevate your teammates, no other player than Brady is better, and even though Mahomes, that's not me saying Mahomes is bad at this, but he's not Brady's level of this yet, he can't lead the team down the field like a Brady can, he can't quite be that dog yet, emphasis on yet, I think he will, people saying that to win this game, that that's the way he'll become a go, I... I don't see it as, as that because Mahomes is, what, 25, I think, something like that. 
with the best head coach, best play calling head coach in football, as I'll talk about in a second when I got into Bill Belichick, with the best offensive coordinator in football, and when Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher come back, one of the best O-lines in football, yet again, no run game as such, but Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has explosive uh, potential, one of the best receivers in Tyreek Hill, as well as guys like Sammy Watkins, you've got uh, you've got your McCall Hardmans, your Travis Kelsey, they're always incredible, do not discount them, but that being said, the Chiefs cap situation isn't great, you have so many stars that want to be paid and need to be paid, like Mahomes and Chris Jones, that maybe you can't afford to pay some other guys, and that means you lose out on talent, but so long as you have Mahomes at your quarterback, if he plays like a Brady, he'll be excellent, but to be honest, something I do want to critique Mahomes on a little bit is taking that $500 million contract because Brady took pay cuts every single year with the Patriots to make them a Super Bowl winning team, to get good, experienced players. And Mahomes hasn't done that. He's taken a 10-year, $500 million contract, one of the biggest in American sports, if not the biggest. I think Mike Trout in baseball has a second, I think. Again, I don't watch any any baseball, I know my friends, well, one of my friends does, and to be honest, it just doesn't really suit me, it's not my type of sport, the uh, football's definitely a lot better, but uh, I don't fully respect him for that as such, but he definitely deserves it himself, but to get and keep your talent, as long as other players are happy to take pay cuts, that shouldn't matter too long, too much, sorry, but um, yeah, I do think he can be critiqued a little bit, just a little bit on that. And so, moving on to talk about Bill Belichick. Now, in my personal opinion, Bill Belichick is the best head coach in the entire National Football League. You know, maybe he's not the same play caller as Andy Reid, but he is by far the best at implementing a system, an ideology, a culture a way of playing the game. You know, he'll take a guy who buys into the ideology, the idea of the Patriot way over talent sometimes. And he's made rosters that I'd rank, you know, fifth, sixth, maybe seventh in the league to Super Bowl champions. Of course, pretty much all of that is with Brady. But he made Cam Newton, who, I mean, this is a little bit of a tangent. I ranked Tom, like, not Tom Brady, sorry, Cam Newton 26th in the league based on last year, 32nd probably based on arm, the boy can't throw, he's not that great, he's not had any form since 2015 in which he was incredible and won uh, MVP, got to the Super Bowl, got beat by Peyton Manning, who was shocking that year by the way, but a lot of that came down to Von Miller in that Super Bowl being incredible, but Cam Newton has one of the worst arms in the NFL, only through for I think nine passing touchdowns this year. (laughs) he made him look average and Belichick is a defensive guy I mean Belichick couldn't stop praising Cam Cam Newton's work ethic and and what he does for the team how much of a leader he is and I definitely respect that of Cam Newton but sometimes you've got to take some talent and I'd love I'd love to see a Jacob Eason in in New England or something like that you know or I don't know I don't know many of the quarterbacks coming out of this draft. Like I've said before, college football doesn't really exist over here as such. But if Justin Fields somehow fell 
Can you imagine him in a Patriots jersey? That would be absolutely excellent. But they're in dire need of a new quarterback. They'll probably re-sign Cam Newton to a cheap, very cheap contract because he doesn't deserve a massive one. But moving back on to the point about Bill, I genuinely don't know how you do that to Cam, how you make these rosters so good. And to go with that, this Patriots team last year had seriously talented guys like Dante Hightower, their tackle Marcus Cannon, safety Patrick Chung, as well um, to opt-outs, as well as losing Kyle Van Noy and Jamie Collins in free agency. In other words, you know, Bill Belichick had zero talent on this roster, especially at the skill positions. But he still managed to make them a 7-9 and nine football team. And with a roster that I believe goes 3-13, uh, and 13, genuinely, they need a young quarterback who will be the future to sit behind for a year or two to learn the system and learn this ideology like Bill Belichick did to Tom Brady. And, you know, that's just my opinion. And this is coming from a very big biased Bill Belichick fan. But do not discount uh, Bill Belichick as winning another Super Bowl because in terms of him, he definitely is good enough to do so. He is uh, the best head coach in the league. Again, Andy Reid is by far the best play-calling head coach. I've never seen an offense run quite like the Chiefs did versus teams like Buffalo and Cleveland and stuff. They were excellent to watch. And like I said, perhaps if the Chiefs have Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz, perhaps they win that game because Patrick Mahomes ran for, I think it was 497 total yards before passes or sacks. Again, as I'll get into in a moment when I talk about how Todd Bowles absolutely dominated Eric Bieniemy and the Chiefs. But Bill Belichick is not done don't discount him. And I know that uh, during the regular season, I said, Brady won't win another Super Bowl and Bill Belichick win with the pa- will with the Patriots in a few years. And uh, that's definitely waffle. But again, I'm going to count myself out because it wasn't my fault. I didn't know they'd be this good. It was before the playoffs, before he had time to uh, learn with Le- um, Leftwich, I think. I can't remember. Um, with the offensive coordinator. Before he had time to learn the scheme. So I would definitely... Left, which that's the one, sorry, definitely give me a break on that one. Like my friend Jackson, he sent me a message when I told him I was going to be recording this, and he was like, Are you ready to apologize? I mean, yeah, I did predict the Chiefs to win, like every single other analyst in the world. Oh, I, I, I'm not an analyst, I'm just saying. But um, it, anybody with a brain would have picked the Chiefs going into the game, really. But no one could quite predict what a job. Uh, the Bucks defense did, which is a perfect segue into talking about Todd Bowles and how he di- uh, absolutely dominated Eric Bieniemy during the Super Bowl. The way he did this was by pressuring Patrick Mahomes 29 times, making him run 497 total yards before passes and sacks. He was a tactical genius. He allowed his D-line to eat the Chiefs, Without Eric Fisher or Mitchell Schwartz, he without sending extra uh, extra rushes often. But when he did, they were effective. Like on a couple third downs, they'd sent Levante David and Devin White at the tackles when the backups were out. It was outstanding the way they shut it down. Tyreek Hill couldn't get going because the whole game it was really soft coverage because they knew they'd still get pressure because of how weak the Chiefs' O line was during that game. Three positions were infected by the Eric Fisher injury. Meaning that the Chiefs, who have the cleverest O in the league, could not play their usual game. The way that the defensive backs played during that game was excellent. Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill could not get a look in. 
McCall Harbin couldn't do anything. They played really, really soft safeties. It didn't matter what down. Because obviously the Chiefs aren't a great run team, especially not without their two best tackles. So they game planned perfectly. He trusted his D-line, like Shaq Barrett, Vita Vea, JPP. He trusted these guys to go out there, do their job, and beat the superstars that they are, and win the Super Bowl, which was one of the best I've seen in a while. Obviously, it's the first one I've watched the entirety live because of time zones and how late it is and stuff. I didn't watch last year's live, and obviously I was a bit young before then. And the Chiefs could not play the usual game. They played nervously on O, had a few drops, whereas the Bucks they just looked cool, calm, and collective, which is a reflection of their coaching and Todd Bowles. I mean, Todd Bowles was a failed head coach in the dire situation in New York, but in the big one, the Super Bowl, he proved himself to be more than capable as head coach. So next year, he'll be ready for a call. I don't know who will be sacked next year, because let's face it, every team has a decent situation at head coach. Every team looks, emphasis on looks, set up for the future, and... And firstly, I just want to finish this episode off. I didn't have this planned, but this has gone by a lot, lot faster than I thought it would do. I think I'm going to predict my top five teams next year, just off the rip. Number five, I am going to have the Baltimore Ravens. I don't love Lamar as a quarterback. I think he's kind of overrated. I know he's a, he's a very excellent runner, ran for 1,000 yards this year. Not a great passer as such, which is a bit kind of what your job is to do but their defense is super strong without injuries they'll be back you best believe at number four i'm going to take the buffalo bills because i think there are three teams in the current nfl over them another really really fantastic team josh allen is such a fantastic player i keep using this word fantastic but it's what they are the Bills have talent absolutely everywhere. They are going to be excellente. Uh, at number is it three? At number three, I'm having the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers is absolutely outstanding. Best quarterback in the entire NFL. That's why he won MVP. Congratulations to him. Like 44 touchdowns, I think it was. 48, sorry. He spreads the ball better than anybody in the NFL. Even through 10, I think, receiving yards. To Robert Tunyon. I mean, come on. He's not a talented tight end. But that is my third best in the league. Number two, I have the Buccaneers. I mean, what else can I see? Uh, They're a brilliant, brilliant team. Weapons everywhere. Strong defense. Great coordinators. Everything you need. Now they have times. Provided Tom Brady doesn't fall off a cliff. They'll be back. Won't show it over the regular season, but when they're in the playoffs, they'll be the best. And number one, I'm still keeping it real, it's Kansas City Chiefs. Easily the best team in the NFL. Number one ranked O. Great structure, great wideouts. League's best tight end. A couple really, really good backs and such a strong O-line. Might not be the best in rushing, but they are definitely, definitely make up for it in quarterback play. Defensive play when healthy. And play calling. They will be the best team in the NFL. They will be my pick to win the Super Bowl next year. And firstly, I want to even go over again. 
how I went so badly wrong with my Super Bowl predictions and why I might have thought so. So I'll run through each of the games to finish this episode off and why I thought this would happen. So I'll start off in the NFC. It was Washington versus the Buccaneers. I predicted Washington to win this game because I was biased as a Washington fan and I thought based on the regular season, Washington's defence would absolutely smack them up, which we nearly, nearly did. That was a very close game. It definitely hurt to wake up and see that. Seahawks versus Rams. I picked the Seahawks because they had a stronger regular season, better quarterback, kind of simple-ish, better safety in Jamal Adams. Uh, Saints versus Bears. Naturally, I took the Saints. They won that game, so I'm not going to apologise for that. And moving to the AFC wildcard game, we had Chiefs, no, uh, sorry, Bills, Colts, and I picked uh, the Buffalo Bills, naturally, they're a better team. Uh, Steelers, Browns, I picked the Steelers, which was wrong. I thought that they'd be a better team in the end, but they're on a poor run of form. I mispredicted, and the Cleveland Browns played excellently. One of the best first quarters of football I've seen in a while from them. Absolutely stellar performance by them. And then moving on, Titans, Ravens. I predicted the Titans to win that game because I'm a very, very big Ryan Tannehill believer, and they nearly did pull it off. Definitely not quite. It was a closer game than it should have been. Lamar actually managed to come come back in a game when I don't think he has the potential to do that in most situations, but he proved me wrong in that game, and I'll give him props for that. I mean, they lost the next game, but sure. And then moving back to the NFC Divisional round, and I picked the Saints versus the Seahawks. And I picked the Seahawks to go through during that game. Obviously, I was wrong. It was Buccaneers who won that. Well, Buccaneers who went to the championship game. Because, uh, well, the Seahawks, I thought, would be better than the Saints, who genuinely don't play well during the playoffs. And Packers-Washington. I, I couldn't be overly biased to Washington, so I picked the Packers to win that naturally because I think they're the better team, obviously. And moving across to the AFC Divisional. Chiefs-Titans. Now, I went with a really, really controversial one because I genuinely believed in this Tennessee Titans team. I loved their team from um, tip to toe. Uh, Tip to toe, sorry. uh, Head to toe. And I thought that they'd find a way with their heart to win this game versus the Kansas City Chiefs. They didn't. The Chiefs, obviously, went on to play in the Super Bowl. But I kind of believed in them. I believed their defense would find a way to just stump the Chiefs somehow. Obviously, it didn't turn out that way. And Bills, Steelers, naturally, I picked the Bills because they were the better team, still are, better quarterback, better everything, better weapons, better run game. Well, not really run game because they didn't run particularly well, but neither did the Steelers. They were last in the league, I'm pretty sure, for rushing. And then for the NFC Championship game, I had the Packers versus the Seahawks, which obviously I picked the Packers to win, naturally. And I won't talk too much about that. Uh, Titans, Bills, I picked the Bills to win that because I thought they were the better team. And then for the Super Bowl, I picked the Bills versus the Packers. Genuinely unpopular decision, I picked the Green Bay Packers. A lot of people have the Bills running the table, doing what the Packers tried to do in 2016. What a good season that was. But um, those are my predictions. I could not have been much more wrong, but... Those were what they were based on the regular season, based on what I've seen in the playoffs before, like Lamar Jackson and stuff. I couldn't have been further from the truth. And I'm glad it wasn't because I'm really glad Tom Brady did win his ring in the end. As much as I criticised him during the regular season, 
I finally get to give him credit for what a job he did in Tampa Bay. Going to a losing franchise, making them incredible. Because they definitely had talent last year and they got even better during the offseason. So much better during the offseason. Unlike the team he left, the Patriots. Uh, going into that situation and making them winners. Changing the mentality of the team. Making every single player play better on each and every level. Making uh, Leftwich, their offensive coordinator, look absolutely exceptional. Making Bruce Arians look like a non-fraud. And although it was a definitely scratchy start, middle, the ending was 100% pure. And I have nothing, nothing but respect for that. And although this episode went massively off the tracks, I'll go back to the goodbye message. So thank you so much for listening and I'll see you very soon. And so, thank you so much for listening to the World of Sport podcast hosted by Daniel Middlebrook. A really good Super Bowl episode. I didn't plan to get through as much as I did because I did spend a lot of time uh, preparing and stuff, but it didn't quite pan out the way I'd have hoped. Uh, I did have to add in a little bit of my own waffling like I did when I first started in at Towards the End. But thank you so much for listening. This will not conclude... But it'll be towards one of my last couple NFL episodes for a while because obviously there are no games on. I'll mainly be talking about free agency and stuff like that with um, guests soon, hopefully. I want to go over the Goff trade, the Watson rumours, stuff like that with the people close to me. And that should be really, really fun. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, Make sure you follow me, subscribe, give it five stars, tell everybody you know because that's the only way I'll grow. And thank you so much for listening. Have an absolutely wonderful day. I'll see you soon. Bye-bye.